Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? I am so happy that you guys have decided to tune into today's episode because I am here with Rachel Martin. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm very good. I'm super excited to have a conversation today. Me too. And I am really looking forward to our discussion today. You guys, we are going to talk about how it is that each and every one of you get to find joy in life after divorce. So before we dive in, I want to share a little bit more with our audience today about you, Rachel. So Rachel believes in the power of the human spirit to overcome, to thrive, and to find deep joy. And because of that, she pours out her heart via these platforms. She is the writer behind the site, findingjoy.net, and author of The Brave Art of Motherhood. Her articles have been translated into over 25 languages. Her site reaches millions of visitors per month, and she has a robust and engaged Facebook community. Her content has been featured in Huffington Post, The Today Show, The Today Show Parents, Star Tribune, Tiny Buddha, iVillage, Pop Sugar, Parents, Cafe Mom, and many, many more. She speaks worldwide, encouraging moms and entrepreneurs to live each day with purpose and drive. And beyond that, she is a mom to seven and calls Nashville, Tennessee her home. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. And oh my goodness, you, I I actually did not realize that you are a mom of seven. So we're going to have to get into that because Lord knows you know how to find joy if you've got that brewing in your house. So um, before we dive in though, I would love for you to share the, an answer to the question that I ask every guest on my podcast, which is what inspired you to do the work that you do today? You know, I think that I've always been one of those people that looks for the good in things. And for a while in life, it got a little kind of squished out. But my writing, I, I've thought of myself as a healer for a long time as someone that I share my, you know, I'm the person that sits at the table and shares my thoughts with friends. And when the internet came around, and all of that was there, it became this natural progression for me to share that to kind of have people come to the table and what inspires me is really the idea that one person every single day might think, you know what, I could do that, that spark of hope. It's I know in my own life, when I lost that kind of spark, where it was really dim, the power of somebody igniting it again. And that to me is inspiring for me to keep on going. That's amazing. And I know that 
you've transitioned in your life as well. And the fact that you've been able to spark that joy throughout your life transitions as well, I think is really important. Um, I'd love for you to share your story as well. I think that it will resonate with a lot of listeners and, and how it is that that journey inspired you to become the business and the woman that you are today. Well, I have I have a unique journey. I, I was married for just about 18 years, which is where my my seven kids are from. And uh, during my first marriage, I dealt with extreme financial issues that I that I hid. I was really good at making it seem like I had everything together. And a lot of I would say now that I can look backwards, kind of emotional abuse. I didn't know it at the time. When you live in the fog, you don't really know that you're in the fog. But during that time, I started a blog, started writing online. And in that writing, in the beginning, it was just kind of this outlet, like this is what we do every day and just sharing my life. And as time grew, I realized there's this whole community of, of women and moms that were in this space of looking for community, looking for camaraderie. And the site started to grow. And as the site started to grow, I also realized there was opportunity within it. I started to sell an ebook, started to make... And then when I realized I could make money, it became an opportunity for me to see a pivot in my life. Did I know at the beginning it would lead to my divorce? No. But it became a solution for me because I was living in this financial despair. And then the site continued to grow so much that it became my full-time business. And I started a business with my now husband where we actually teach and train bloggers and podcasters and entrepreneurs how to go from being a hobby to a full-time income. And three years ago, I published uh, my first book with Penguin Random House, all from, and I tell this to moms all the time, that one moment where you think, you know what, I might as well try. Because every single person, every single entrepreneur, everybody that makes a change, it involves a moment where you're kind of daring and brave enough to open up the computer or make that phone call and try. And sometimes the hardest part to me is the idea of getting to that starting place. Once you start, you can work to get it moving, but that starts, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, because I know so many people are going, that's great for you. That's right. not me. Right. Which I'm sure I said that I was like, oh, that's great for you guys. Like, that's not me. And here we are sitting on the other side. So how did you really lean into and start trusting that that was the path for you to go? Well, for me, it was, I almost say it was like this spiritual awakening, but it was honestly, I remember I used to live in Minnesota and I was driving home and it was the middle of January, freezing cold. And as I was driving, I remember realizing, and I was on this country road and there were, you know, snow on either side. One side it was sunny or whatever, the sun was shining through it. But I remember thinking that I was flirting dangerously with just becoming numb to life. Time was still passing by, no matter what. Time was going to keep going. And I was either going to live with joy or live with bitterness because you can't have a foot in both camp, I realized. is I'm trying to do both, but I was starting to get more and more bitter. And the apathy part, I'd seen too many women that had just kind of ended up resigned to life. And even though I, I had no money, I had no options. I didn't know what to do. The drive to not live an apathetic life took root in that day. It became, I didn't have the answers. It became this almost driving force of what do I need to do today so that tomorrow is different? 
Yeah. And I love that. I, you know, I think a lot of people, I hope you guys are hearing this. You know, I've talked about my pivotal moment that, you know, changed my life. You just talked about your pivotal moment and really starting what I'm hearing is to really pay attention to what the signs are, what your intuition is telling you to do and really following your passion. So many of us think, well, I'm not good at anything or I wouldn't even know how to start a business. So how did you even figure out that, you know, because so many of us, we start with a website, we start with conversations, we start with writing and it's like, okay, what do we do from here? And none of us, you know, so many people don't take the entrepreneur route because they think that, well, I don't know how to start my own business. I've, you know, I'm not, I've been a stay at home mom or I've been working for companies. I don't know how to start my own business. So how did you self-educate yourself to really lean into this, this incredible path that you created for yourself? I think part of it is, first of all, being willing to be curious about what you could do. I think a lot of times we think when we're starting a business, we have to know point B or point D where we're getting. And then we become so locked on not that we don't know it exactly, that we don't make a step until we figure it out. And so part of it is being willing to not know the next thing is like I played basketball as a kid and I certainly couldn't play very well when I first started. I had to learn how to dribble. It's the same thing with, you know, I also play piano is I didn't wasn't playing Mozart year one. And somehow I think that we all see the end of people's success and forget the understory, the backstory, even though we love backstories, we love the underdog story. We love all of that. We celebrate it and we forget all the years of practice in the beginning, but I know what it's like to be in that spot where everybody else seems to have it together. Everybody else is the exam, what they need to do. And you're like, I don't know what to do next. So I started remembering that, you know, one small thing every single day, a year of small things is 365 small things. So I kept challenging myself, what's the next small thing I can do believing and having this faith in this future that maybe didn't look like what I thought. And then it became putting myself out there. The worst somebody could say is no. And could I survive the no? Or maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do a website. And I had a friend ask me, well, could somebody figure it out? And the idea that somebody in my situation where I had no money, I had no really no freedom at that moment, the idea that, yeah, there's somebody in this world that could be in the same spot and figure it out. Like I almost was limiting my own self by thinking, I can't do it. I'll wait till tomorrow. And for me, the universality of time moving became the driving force is I knew that everybody out there gets 24 hours. And that time, if I kept thinking, I'll wait till I figure it out, or I'll wait till that means that I'm losing time. And time became so precious to me that even if I didn't know what to do, I was going to try. Yeah. And, and I'm also hearing you, you know, intertwining our theme today about, you know, finding joy in each of those steps. So, so how did you along the way, because I know, you know, the road to entrepreneurship is hard, you know, speaking as a fellow entrepreneur as well. How is it that you found joy in what it was that you were doing and the steps that you were taking to create this new life for yourself? Well, before the podcast started, you and I talked about the difference between joy and happiness. And for me, it became defining that. I always define happiness as you go to a birthday party, it's a surprise, you get the perfect gift. It's you're instantly happy. It's like this emotion that and joy is looking for the good 
despite the circumstances to me. It's seeing what is good today and it and knowing that even if life is really really hard, there's something in this day that is is good or that I should be grateful for. It was deciding to pivot on my own perspective and deciding to see it. And I always tell this example of my my oldest, I mean my youngest son, he has celiac disease. And he was diagnosed when he was about a little over one. And it was right prior to my divorce and right prior in the time when I was really developing my website. And he was in the hospital, totally failure to thrive, totally, they don't know, they didn't know what was going on. It was, they're pushed in a room and it was crowded. And I'm in this room at night because there's no space anywhere on the hospital. So I'm just waiting. And again, snowing, theme of Minnesota. I'm in there and I see the snow falling and I'm distraught. And I hear that sound of the heartbeat monitor going blip, blip, blip. And in that moment, it was another kind of epiphany where I realized there were parents in that hospital that would do anything for that regular rhythm. And instead of feeling overwhelmed and distraught, my whole life had pivoted in that second with him. I decided I challenged myself, what's good right now? What is something I can see that's good? And so I just started writing it down on a piece of paper, like the heartbeat monitor, the IV, the nurses that care, the gluten-free bread that would back then was so dense it could hold a door open. I just <laughs> challenged myself. <laughs> I love that. And, and I... I applaud you because I can only imagine in that circumstance, right? We kind of have tunnel vision of what's going on in our own worlds and to really be able to open yourself up to finding things that you are grateful for that do bring us joy. And, you know, I do want to take a second to talk about that happiness versus joy, because as you said, we were chatting right before I hit record. You know, I think so many of us use happiness and joy interchangeably, and I hope that you guys are hearing the difference between the two. Happiness really has to do with external factors, right? External things that bring you happiness. And joy is something that you get to tap into and find within yourself that you create for yourself. It's not things that are created from the outside in. And every single one of us in any situation has the opportunity to choose joy, to choose love. And I applaud you in that moment, Rachel, for for choosing that. I, I can only imagine how hard that was. And clearly, you know, in your journey after your divorce, you know, you have found, uh, you know, a new partner and you're remarried and, you know, you guys are even in business together. So, how is it that from that night forward that you really started applying this? And how is it that you even emulate this for your kids? Well, I think part of it is, is recognizing that when you're looking for joy, it doesn't mean that everything is instantly better and or that there's not the hard stuff. I think it's the duality that yin yang that we exist within the movie inside out joy needed sadness to make things work. Right. And I, I think that part of the finding joy is that we, if you're looking at it like finding happiness or something, is we put this pressure on ourselves. I'm not happy right now. I'm not happy. What am I doing wrong? And then the pressure, we start to feel guilt. I'm why am I? And it just snowballs. Yeah. So for me, it's the biggest thing I've learned is grace to start again. I tell people, and I've had it on my fridge for a long time. This that quote: "Fall seven times, stand up eight. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is, first of all, it doesn't say fall seven times, stay there, or it's the presupposition that you're going to fall. Like there's no, there's no, and, and you're going to fall like in there seven times at least. And then the idea is you're going to keep standing up eight. And to me, the finding joy part 
is found within the act and the bravery of standing up. It's in that moment when you decide, you know what, I'm going to try again. Yeah, I was trying that for six weeks and I I stopped, but I'm going to start again. And the joy part is sometimes it can be even in the pride that you feel for your own bravery. And for my kids, they've gotten to see this progression of me as a parent is they've gotten to see me actually truly experience true happiness where I'm in that moment where a lot of the pressures of the world aren't there. And they've got to see me push through in those moments where I didn't even know what to do next. And because of that, I think they're more aware of the difference between happiness and joy. And they're more, they have that sense of internal pride. They have that sense of what their minds can create and the the idea of paying attention to what they're thinking. And and I love, you know, those of you who haven't checked out Rachel's content, you guys should read it. It's hugely inspiring. You know, one of the roles that I know a lot of us have, right, is the mom hat, right? We all are living in this motherhood world and and you you wear a lot of different hats these days. You know, what would you say to to someone who's tuning in right now, who's trying to juggle it all, right? There's a lot of women who have to go back to work because of their divorce, you know, not feeling the joy, not feeling understood, not feeling like people get the the experience that they're going through. What would you say to them as they're listening right now? Well, first I would say you're not alone because sometimes it feels, you feel very, very alone. I'm the only one. What will people think? And then the other thing I would say is going back again with the experience with my son, Samuel, with he's the one with celiac disease. When oh my he, God, my son's name is Sam, by the way. It's so, a good name. It's a it good is. name. Sorry. Um, I had to interrupt. I was no. like, oh my God, that's my 12 year old. I love that name. Um, <laughs> Me too. Sorry when, to interrupt. So, no, no, <laughs> it's good. So he has to have uh, lab draws a lot to make sure that his, so that celiac disease is under control. And when he was about three, he knew like, he did not like these things. And so there was a time that we went and they got his arm already and he's just screaming. He's so upset. And I kept saying, it's okay, Sam, it's okay. And then it hit me again. And I said, you know what, Sam, this isn't okay. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. This isn't fair. What you have right now, or it's not right. And it's hard. And I'm sorry. And so I know, like, it gets me actually choked up because I've worked with friends of mine, talked with them that have been going through divorce where it comes out of the blue and knocks them down. And the first thing I just want to say is like, sometimes I feel like you need that friend that says, you know what, I'm really sorry that you have to walk this path. And I know it's hard and it's not what you thought because again, you and I were joking that probably not one of us uh, did our high school yearbook and thought, you know what I want to do? I want to like, for me, I want to go through bankruptcy. I want to go through divorce. That would be really fun. Like we put like, I'm going to do this and this. And then when we do it, we're like, what the heck happened? And it's more of acknowledging the humanness in it. The more of sitting at the table and saying to like, if you're that mom that's working and you didn't want to, I just want to say, I see you. And I'm so grateful for what you do. And I'm so proud of you for doing that because I know how hard it is to do those things, especially when you never thought that was going to be what you had to do. It's, you know, it's not like any of us got married, right? And all of a sudden, you know, we're like, oh, we should take a divorce course. 
just in case, right? Right. It's not like this is anything, nothing that we've experienced is anything that you or I have prepped for. It is not something, you know, <laughs> right. any of us, like I love the high school yearbook. It was like most likely to get divorced. Like that's not a category, right? That's not something that anyone strives to get their name on. However, at the same time, some of us wind up that way. And I say, you know, my divorce was the greatest gift that ever happened to me because to be standing here living the life that I do, feeling the happiness and the joy that I get to experience every day, I would, I, I have no regrets. I am mm-hmm. standing exactly where I want to be. And I love that quote. It, it resonates so deeply with me because Brene Brown is like one of my favorite, you know, authors that I read all the time. And she always talks about how it's not about the fall. It's about getting back up again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so many of us going through divorce, and I'm sure you felt this way. I felt like a complete failure. Mm-hmm. I I would even say like, this doesn't get divorced. This is not the face of divorce. This isn't the life of somebody who gets divorced, right? There's this whole stigma around what that looks like. And, you know, and I'd love to, you know, to ask you, like, for people who are experiencing these moments when they are down, when they are face down in the arena, right, when they have fallen, Mm -hmm. how is it that they can get back up? And how does joy play a role in that? Well, one of the things for me is I had people that were there cheering me on. Like when I was going through my divorce, a lot of times I would say, is this really true? Like I would have these friends that would say, no, no, you are doing the right thing. Cause you start to question yourself. And when you're, when you're in that space of like, this isn't what I thought it would be. That's challenging. I remember filling out a form for the dentist once and like the dentist has like, are you single, married, divorced, or whatever? And I thought, why do they need to know? Like, does this right. affect how you clean my teeth? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I honestly, for a long time, did not like checking the divorced one. I would, oh, I would just get just cranky about it until one day I realized that all the good things in my life right now, all the pivots, all the growth, all of who I am now, and the fact that I can reach out to all these women and share my story would not have happened if I hadn't checked that divorce box. So for me, recognizing that that is just part of the story helped me in those moments when I fell down. And, you know, those times when you're down, maybe you, you, you just give yourself grace, or I would say, if I'm feeling, I'm going to let myself feel this way for the next 10 minutes. And then tomorrow I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to hold off the rest of the time. I think part of the time we don't give ourselves permission to feel we're like, no, no, I've got to keep it together. I've got to be strong. I've got to do this. And then when we break, we're like, what happened? So I started to give myself permission to feel a certain way, but not stay in it. That was my goal is, you know what? I can feel this. I can, I I'm I'm experiencing this emotion, but after this amount of time, I'm going to move on to the next thing. And that helped me a lot because it was almost like, instead of fighting that I was facing grief or uncertainty, I allowed myself to experience it. And I generally didn't need to stay there very long. I just kind of realized, okay, I'm done. Want to move on. Exactly. And I think half the reason why so many of us are afraid to go there is because 
you don't allow yourself when it comes up. And so then what happens is like, I always say, like I call it the volcano effect Mm -hmm. is that when you're not allowing yourself to feel in the moment, to feel through the emotions that are coming up, whether they be positive or negative, like for some reason, we never stop the positive, but we do stop the negative, you know, and it really, it enables us to move through things that much more quickly when we're able to acknowledge and state and and sit in the feelings that we're having. And it, it lets us move through it a whole lot quicker. You know, and, and I, and I will say like, I'm, there are times where like, you know, I'm like, I got to be the strong one. And then I'm like, wait a second. No, I don't. I get to cry. I get to have feelings about this too. And, you know, I think that, I think you're absolutely right. We do not give ourselves permission. We do not give ourselves permission because we think we have to be the strong one. We think that we have to live up to this certain image. And that's how I lived the first 40 years of my life. That's how I lived through 16 years of my marriage. Mm -hmm. Never again, never, ever, ever again. I call it the term I use for it is I call it like it's the Facebook facade, right? Mm -hmm. You have to appear to be what others see you to be versus what is truly going on. And we're so afraid of being transparent in the negative that we think that it's only the positive that we get to talk about. Right. That's it's very, I I call it the highlight reel of that. Uh And uh, what I love is what's interesting about the business that I ended up as a writer is it became my mission to cut through, break through the curtain and write about the things that nobody would talk about. Like I just decided, you know what? No, I'm going to write this. And one of the first things that I ever wrote that went viral was to the mom who feels like she's failing. And it was so like, I thought, well, if I feel this way, chances are somebody else. And we just started writing. And then at the end, my goal was never to stay there in that spot. Not like we're going to just commiserate and whine. You know, that whole thing. It was more about we're here. It's okay. It's okay. And then this idea of I believe in you. That's why I'm so passionate about telling people like to see like on the outside, I feel like I can see the bravery that people have. And I'm so grateful for the people when I was at those low points that said, look, I'm really proud of you. Let's keep going. Let's stand up. Because I know that there's there's a lot of people that say, I don't have anybody. And for me, I think that this online medium that we have is you and I have the opportunity to be that voice for somebody in the world right now that's feeling alone, like they're the only one to say to them, you know what? really proud of you. I, I believe in what you're doing and what you're doing in this moment. What It does matter. 100%. And, and every, every experience that we go through does matter, right? I always say you get to look for the silver lining. You get to look for the lesson, right? That's standing back mm-hmm. up <laughs> is looking for the lesson. So what would you leave our audience with today? What advice would you give somebody listening today who is really struggling, you know, in their role as mom and their own identity to really step through wherever the muck, you know, step through the muck, right? Mm-hmm. And to embrace the possibility of joy on the other side. Well, the first thing I've said is you can't do everything. Like you, I tried to, I said before I was like this spinning plate girl. I was trying to do everything at once. And when I got divorced. I felt like all the spinning plates I was trying to balance crashed to the ground. And there's this really powerful moment in those times when you're rebuilding where you get to decide which plates you're going to pick up again. And it's such a powerful awakening, realizing, you know what? I don't have to do that anymore. Now, granted, there are going to be places where you're like, 
well, I don't really want to do this, but I have to do this. Like the first time I saw my lawyer, I was terrified, right? But I did it. And so I want to just say, like, first of all, you don't, you, you don't have to do everything perfectly. You don't have to do everything that you're doing. And then the second part, I just want to say, I mean, I'm passionate about what that idea of bravery is. If every single day you just keep plotting forward, you just keep doing one more thing, you just decide, you know what, today mattered. And when you have a good day, circle it. Like I tell moms all the time, mark it in red because chances are there's gonna be four or five days in a row where you're thinking, I just, I can't do this. It's awful. If you can look back and say, you know what, I had a good day. I can do it. Um, that will help in the future. But, you know, I'm just proud of you. Wherever you are on the journey is what I really want you to know is, Divorce isn't an easy thing. It's you you deal with fallout. I think for probably I say I think the rest of my life there'll be little in pieces that fall, but that doesn't have to define the potential of what you're going to do in the future. That was powerful. That was that that is so incredibly true. And I always say your best gets to look different every day. It doesn't necessarily look the same. And I believe that everybody can find the best, you know, in their day if they really choose to look for it. Sometimes it's in the small stuff and mm-hmm. all we tend to do is look for the big stuff. So, Rachel, such powerful wisdom and knowledge shared today. Thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing yourself with this audience. You are so welcome. You know, I'm going to add one little quick thing yeah, here for you. Please. So, you're a couple of years ago at Walmart, I saw a shirt that I loved and it said the world's okayest runner. And I loved it because sometimes I think we think we have to be the best. We have to be perfect. We have to do it. But the idea was you know what? I'm okay. Because bottom line is you're still running. doesn't matter. So I just wanted people to know that like, sometimes we minimize it or we think, you know, I'm just doing this. But if you're one foot after another, putting food on the table, trying, giving yourself grace, standing up again, that really matters. Yeah. I mean, it's so incredibly true. And we don't, we don't acknowledge ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. we just think it's what's expected, but when you're in the thick of it and you're feeling all the feels, sometimes just making your kids breakfast and getting them out the door to school is just about all you can muster. And you get to be proud of yourself for being able to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That can be some days. So wonderful. Well, Rachel, I know that you also have, well, first of all, I want everyone to know where they can find you. And I know that you also have a free gift for everybody tuning in, which will be in the show notes. Yes. So you can find me uh, at findingjoy.net or on Facebook. If you search finding joy blog, you'll find me there. And the book, uh, the free gift I have is an ebook called dear mom letters. And it's a bunch of letters that I've written to moms, including that one about to the mom who feels like she's failing. I love it. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your transparency and just being you. It was an honor to speak with you today. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was very fun. And I appreciate all that you do as well. Oh, thank you. And you guys tuning in today, I hope that you guys learned a lot. I know I always do with every guest that I have on. And you know, my mission is to support you guys wherever it is that you are in your process and hoping that you guys found at least one nugget of information to help you navigate wherever it is that you are in your divorce process. Sending you all tons of love, light, and joy. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. 
This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time. 